right back here. All right. Did you, have y'all enjoyed Gabe being gone? <laughs> we've, we've, we've actually had some very uh, different services, I think. But he'll be back next Saturday for sure. He flies in tomorrow, I believe, right? Into Atlanta, and then somebody's going to pick him up and drive him back to Dothan. So he'll be here to go to work right in early Monday morning. Oh, he didn't want you to drive. But uh, we'll be glad to have him back, and he'll be back teaching next week. So you'll, you'll get a treat next week because he'll be all pumped up from his trip to Israel. And he'll, he'll be seeing all these places, and he'll know all about them, and he can share them with us. Uh, last week, Bob taught, and he taught a very good lesson. We learned all about uh, Joseph and his time in the prison and about the, uh, the seven years of, uh, of plenty and then the seven years of lack. And uh, it was all very, this is all very interesting to me. And, and, you know, I love this going verse by verse, chapter by chapter in the Bible and having interaction with each and everybody. So let me do some recap. Can I do that? Okay, so what year is this in Joseph's life? He was 30 when Bob quit last week. Today, he's 37 or greater. We're not sure. Since Bob taught last week, we've had seven years of plenty. And how do we get seven years of plenty in Egypt? This is a weird thing and I, when I started studying. I didn't know that. You know, the Nile River is the very life of the, the Middle East over there. It, it controls the, the food supply that goes into uh, all those Middle Eastern countries, uh, Africa, and uh, even up as far as Turkey, I'm assuming. But it's, it's kind of weird. Does anybody know what direction the Nile River flows in? North. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Could we flow the Mississippi up north? It's coming down here. But what happens is because of the, the land lay and the mountains and stuff, the lower end of Egypt is actually higher than the higher end, <laughs> the northern end. So all the water flows from the lower end to the upper end. That's, that's kind of weird. And this whole thing that happens with this uh, dreams of Joseph has been weird, hasn't it? God kind of working stuff. But the, the Nile River is actually supplied by two other rivers. Does anybody know what they're called? No, they're called the Red and the Yellow Niles. <laughs> That's so simple. And it, the whole area there, the Goshen Valley, is dependent on these two rivers in their areas getting rain every year. And if they don't get rain, it kind of ends up like we've been this summer. Are we kind of in a situation here with the, uh, the weather in South Alabama right now? It is amazing, isn't it? Do you ever wonder what God is doing with us through all this? He's surely got a plan. He doesn't miss, meet a, miss a heartbeat, so he's always looking at us, always planning something for us. So he's got some kind of idea in his head. We don't have a clue most of the time what's going on unless we get somebody like Joseph that has a dream and is able to share that with us. But God has got a plan for us. So we're in, uh, we've had the seven years of plenty. And what happened during that time? Everybody built barns 
everybody stored up corn. Is that right? No. Isn't that kind of strange to you? It seems like when we have years of plenty, we put something back. But we don't do that. Is that kind of like human nature with us today? Is God maybe trying to uh, wake up and stir up something in us? Maybe telling us, you know, when I'm really supplying your need every day, and when you're not going through the trial, you should really be. <laughs> and it would have been a good idea for some of these guys to save money. But you know what struck me as odd? The Egyptians didn't save any extra corn. They didn't put back any crops. So when this uh, drought came, this seven years got started, and I'm thinking the first year they may have been okay. And this microphone's been talking to me all day. And it depends on where I'm at with these speakers. <laughs> but these Egyptians, they didn't put anything back. They didn't save any extra corn. The only person saving grain was who? Joseph. And he was putting it back in these big bins and he was saving it. So what happened to the Egyptians when the, the uh, seven years of drought and famine started? They started starving. They were crying out. They started selling their land. They ended up even selling themselves into slavery to be able to buy corn. So not only did this, this drought affect Egypt, but... Don't y'all love that noise? I do. I think it's me. Maybe it is thunder. Uh, anyhow, so the whole area there, even up in Canaan where our, our buddy Jacob's living at, if there's drought in Goshen, it affects the food supply for that whole known part of the world. So those, those rains have to come. Those river, the Nile, the Niles, and they, they say it plural because they're actually two rivers flowing into one, that's three rivers. They have to overflow the banks, all the silt and all that stuff washes out there in the valleys. And that's where they get the fertilizers to grow these tremendous crops. And they grow some stuff there. It, it's kind of weird that whenever uh, Joseph uh, went to Egypt, that he ended up down in that area. You know, you think about a lot of times, God is not really watching over us, but he really is. He's even picking the places that we're going to live. Do you realize that? You're living in this area today, not because you chose this place, but because God chose it for you. So he is kind of, he's working on you and he's working on me and he's doing something with us all and he's preparing us for something and he's wanting us to prepare something. So we find our story starting today. Where's Joseph at? He's in the palace. He's got the crown. He's shaved his head. He's polished his skin all up with all that mud and stuff that the Egyptians like to put on. What do they call this? Makeup. Oh, that's what they call that. <laughs> so he brushed all that stuff on him. He was all shiny. And he's looking at all of his muscles to show him everything. He was living the life.
I think it's me too. <laughs> I get all tangled up in these cords. <laughs> so Joseph is in the palace. He's living the good life. He doesn't look like the 17-year-old boy that came to Egypt. He's changed. Like I said, he's all buff. He's been going to the gym. He's been working out. He looks kind of like Mr. Brian, you know, muscles and everything. <laughs> and running. <laughs> yeah. So he is uh, somewhere past 37 years old. So our uh, story opens up in the 42nd chapter. And I brought my glasses, guys. The 42nd chapter of uh, Genesis. And I just want to read one verse, and I want you to give me some feedback on this. You know, if, it's really hard to stand up here. I'm not a teacher. Bob's a teacher. Patrick's a teacher. Xavier's a teacher. Adrian's a teacher, but I'm a talker. <laughs> and the other way people talk is if you talk back to them, okay? So talk back to me. If you got some comments, say them, please. Okay, starting in the 40, 42nd chapter. And this kind of struck me strange. Uh, we're, we've left Egypt and we've gone back to Canaan, starting in the 42nd chapter. So Jacob is in the house. He's looking all around. And uh, what does he see? His uh, 11 sons. And, and I love what he says to him. Uh, now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. So Jacob said to his sons, why are you sitting here staring at each other? Have you, have you ever had uh, kids, it's like, mama, I'm hungry. Mama, I'm thirsty. Mama, I need a new shirt. Hey, do your kids ever like that? It seems like Jacob's boys were being a little bit childish. No, they're not boys, no. Those boys, if uh, Joseph was 37 years old, that, that puts some of those boys up there around, I'm thinking 50 years old. So they probably had kids, and they may have had even grandkids by then. So they're sitting around, they're twiddling their thumbs, uh, Jacob's house is hungry. There's no food. There's no food growing in the land because Jacob, like his sons, didn't use any wisdom during the time of this plenty. He didn't put any stores back. He didn't save anything. He didn't put any corn back for the cattle or corn back for his, to make bread with. He didn't put anything back. So he's sitting there, he's looking at these boys and uh, it's like, come on guys, what are y'all doing sitting here staring at each other? Does somebody have to tell you to get up and go get some corn, some grain for your kids? Not just my kids. How many people were in, were in Jacob's household by this time? How many went to Egypt? 77, I think. So there was a, a house full of people. I know at my house, sometimes we have 25 and it is chaotic. I would not want to live in the house with 77 people. 
especially if someone was going to be lazy and sitting around. Now, you think about, I want, I want you to, somebody to tell me, just think right now, clear your minds and think about this. Think of one thing good about Jacob's sons that we can say about them. Were they trustworthy? Were they industrious? Were they honest? Did they care about each other? Did they get along with each other? They were a perfect family. <laughs> Aren't we like that sometimes? Now, I know, I know a family that's got two perfect kids, Annie and Anthony. I bet you Annie and Anthony never argued growing up. <laughs> I see a lot of eyes getting really big. <laughs> Are you telling me that this perfect family argued and didn't get along? So Jacob's boys were no different. And Jacob's boys had a lot more reason. You think about out of these 12 kids he had, they had four mothers involved. Bob, could you live in the house with four wives? <laughs> I'm sure it was a struggle all the time. But Jacob is frustrated with these boys. What is wrong with you guys? These are your kids. These are your grandkids. Why are you sitting here staring at each other and whining like little kids? Get up, put your shoes on, because you know if they were sitting on the couch watching TV, they had their shoes off. Who can sit on the couch and watch TV with their shoes on? Right, Marvin? You've got to kick them off. You've got to get comfortable. So here are these big old boys, 12 of them, 11 of them, because one of them's gone, was sitting in there watching TV. No popcorn, because they're out of corn, remember? <laughs> and, and Jacob is frustrated. He says, what is wrong with you boys? I don't think Jacob could think of one thing good to say about them boys right then. They probably had trash to carry out. They didn't do that. Their beds were probably not made. Grass. Grass. <laughs> but they were just sitting around, looking at each other, and complaining. We do that sometimes. You know, right now, who do we, who do we blame right now for this uh, what do they call this that's happening right now? The planet is warming up. Global warming. Who, who do we claim that? Who do we blame that on? The Democrats, of course. It's their fault. The Democrats are blaming the Republicans. The, the Mexicans are blaming the Chinese. <laughs> the blacks are blaming the whites, and the whites are blaming the blacks. We're all... We're all pointing fingers. It's somebody else's fault but mine. So whose fault is it that the planet's warming up? The cows. <laughs> no, it's mine and yours. There's all kinds of stuff that we could be doing if that is even happening. Who knows this for that? And here I am complaining because I, I say you can't even trust the news people. You don't know what's going on. So I'm sure that Reuben and Simon and Levi and Judah, and you can think of all those voices then. They were saying, we ain't got no corn because Judah's boys ate it all yesterday. We ain't got no uh, water because uh, 
Simon's son, or, or because Jacob gave all it to Benjamin. <laughs> they were kind of jealous of Benjamin to begin with, right? And Joseph, and each other, and anybody else that was getting the upper hand on them. So Jacob says to him, you know where there's corn, right? You know, and I don't know, I don't know what kind of grain they had. I'm, I'm thinking corn. Over here we grow corn, right? What do they grow in the Middle East? Does somebody know? You can't eat cotton. <laughs> I've tried eating cotton and it is not good. <laughs> Wheat and barley. And my Bible's turned pages on. Okay, he said, he looked at him and he said, I heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from there so that we can stay alive and not die. Thus, Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, except for Benjamin, Joseph's brothers. Jacob did not send him with his brothers because he was afraid something would happen to him. Did Jacob trust these boys? Would you have trusted them? They're our forefathers. They're the very heart of what we believe today, Israel and his 12 sons. <laughs> They're not perfect. You think God chose them because they were perfect? I think God must have looked down sometimes when he looked at this family that he would pick, Abraham's family, and thought, oh my Lord, what in the world? What kind of mess have I got myself into? <laughs> so we'll get off of that. We can't, we can't in any way determine what God's thinking anytime or what he's thinking about us. He loves us, and that's what's important. But Jacob says to these boys, get up, go down to Egypt, and get us some grain. But you can't take Benjamin with you. He stays here with me. Because if something happens to Benjamin, I can't take it. Now, Benjamin's mother had passed away, right? So it was just Jacob and Benjamin left there in Canaan. Okay, so the sons of Israel came to buy, along with others that came since the famine extended into the land of Canaan. So they wasn't by themselves. When they got there, they were tons of other people from all over the place. Do you think Joseph was actually overseeing all these sales of grain individually? No, he was the, the big man. You know, when, when I worked at a job, my boss man seldom ever came to the job. <laughs> the guy that was over everything, that took all the credit for everything that was done, he seldom ever came to the job. The guys that were doing the work were the little guys. So when these brothers came, uh, it, it's kind of curious that Joseph saw them right off and he recognized them. Maybe he was waiting for them. So the Egyptian and the, the uh, Israelites would have looked different. The Israelites all had beards. 
they all wore these robes. They wore, wore these little dust things over their head. When I was in Israel, I, I found out why they wear the things dust over their head. When I was in Israel, it was so dusty. If you had one of those things, you could cover your mouth with it because it was ever more dusty there. But that's, they, have, they look different. So looking out over the crowd, Joseph looks out there and he says, I believe I know those guys. I, I think I remember those guys. So he looked out there and he recognized them. But they didn't recognize him because he looked different. And he was the governor. Were they, were they thinking that Joseph was going to be up there? They thought he was probably dead. Or at least a slave in some land uh, leading camels around or something like that you never expected. Does that ever happen to us? Does sometimes we walk into a place and there's somebody there that we're very, very shocked that they're there? How in the world did that person get to be in charge of this? <laughs> <laughs> we all do that, Mark. Oh, so they were there with many other people. Yet Joseph was governor over the land and who sold all the people to all the people. Now when Joseph's brothers came and prostrated themselves before him on the ground, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted toward them as if he was a stranger and spoke harshly with them and asked them, where are you from? And they answered, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. And what did Joseph do? He remembered something. Remember when he had that coat of many colors and he's walking around there and he's, he's the best looking 17 year old there with a yellow and orange and purple jacket he's got on? The, the dreaming boy, yeah. He remembered his dreams about his brothers coming and bowing down to him. And he remembered the, that, that his father would also come. And what did they do back, in, back 20 years ago whenever he told them that dream? They laughed at him. Nobody's going to bow down to you, kid. You're just a runny little kid, and it's never going to happen. But in God's eyes... God doesn't just look at how skinny or how sometimes fat we are. <laughs> he sees something different in us, and he saw something different in Joseph. Yeah, his voice was, but his brothers would have changed too. They would have been different. I know definitely I looked different than I did when I was 17 years old. I, uh, I watched the news every day at 5 o'clock, and the guy that does the news was talking about this was his this week was his 27th year to be doing the news he had done it here and in Birmingham and Jackson Mississippi but he he had on the first suit that he ever wore to do the news 27 years ago he said in 27 years he hadn't gained any weight and changed it all and I, I was I said that is ridiculous <laughs> I don't think I could still put the same shoes on <laughs> And you'll never guess how big I was when me and Miss Karen got married. I weighed 119 pounds. <laughs> Y'all think Anthony's skinny? He would have been fat compared to me. <laughs> Can you believe it? 
<laughs> that just, that's just, uh, for Miss Karen, that just says she's a good cook, I guess. Or I'm a good you eater. A <laughs> Are you kidding? I got a triple portion. <laughs> okay, remembering the dreams that he had about them, Joseph said to them, you're spies and you've come to, to spot our country's weakness. No, my Lord, they reply, your servants have come to buy food. We're all the sons of one man. We're upright. Your servants aren't spies. And he said to them, you've come to spy out our country's weakness. And they said, we're servants, 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. The youngest stayed with his father and another is gone. Just as I replied, Joseph said, you're spies. Here's how you can prove you're not lying. As Pharaoh lives, you will not leave here unless your youngest brother comes back. So this is what I think Joseph was doing. He was trying to get information and he didn't want to share it with the Egyptians what he was doing. He was talking to his brothers. He was trying to find out. And I guess all this time, because they, he wasn't speaking Hebrew or whatever it is they spoke at that time, but he was Egyptian, he was using a translator. He was finding out if his daddy was still alive, if Benjamin was still alive, and maybe even his mother. He was trying to get information. It had been a long time. It, you know, over the years, those kind of things you think about. I know if, if my kids are gone for a week, I start worrying about them. If they don't call, I, I want them to call every day. I want to keep up with them all the time. And, and I'm a nosy person, that's why. I'm, I'm in, and I'm into their business all the time. <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to be my kids. <laughs> because if, even if you don't want my opinion, you're going to get it. <laughs> and sometimes if you're not my kids, I still give you my opinion. So Joseph was getting information. He took the, the, the brothers and he put them into jail for three days to separate him from anybody else. And I think he was, he was listening to them talk and stuff this whole time this was going on. And I want you to look at these boys. They, they're always looking for somebody to blame for something that happened to them. The first thing they said when they stuck him down there in the jail they said, this is what we get. This is our payment for uh, doing what we did to Joseph. They, they were thinking, right, this is what we're getting paid for, for what we did to Joseph. And, and what's the next thing they say? My God, why are you doing this to us? Do we ever do that? Do we get ourselves in some bind or in trouble with something? And instead of taking the credit for it ourselves, do we look to blame God? Oh, I think I've done that in years. If, if, if somebody's been sick or something, or do you make deals with God? Do you say, oh, listen, God, how about if you will do this? If, if you'll help me get this car, I'll use it for your glory. I'll take it nowhere but to church and to work and to Walmart and to the movie theaters. <laughs> We try to deal with God instead of uh, taking, and these boys weren't going to do that. They weren't going to say, 
they were at fault for what happened to Joseph. They were wanting to know why God was putting them in this position right now. They got little kids back home. They ain't got time to worry about Joseph and what happened to him. Why did this come to their mind right now? God is doing that. He's working with them. He's working with us all the time. He's bringing things to our attention. What do we do when he brings something to our attention? A lot of times we say, oh, that's indigestion. <laughs> I think I'll take two Rolaids or two aspirin and sleep till in the morning and see if it's different. Is it going to be different in the morning? No. Let's, let's go back and look at Jacob. Do you think the way these boys grew up, did they have an example for him? Jacob kind of set an example for him, didn't he? Wasn't he a little bit of a cheat? Somebody said last night, and I was trying to think when he lied, but they said he even lied something. Oh. He lied to his own brother, his own twin brother. Deceived. What is deception a lie? So Jacob cannot really blame these boys a whole lot for the way they were. Have, have you ever heard the uh, statement that the uh, apron doesn't fall far from the tree? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> How about Isaac? So, are you surprised these boys were liars <laughs> and cheats <laughs> and vicious people? These two boys, uh, the two next bills, one I think it was Simon and Levi, didn't they kill a whole town of people after they tricked them into getting uh, circumcised? These boys or something else to deal with. They, they were, at times, they were naughty. <laughs> Jacob must not have put them in the corner. He must not have took their phones away from them. You have to, to realize, if you raise your kids a certain way, you're kind of responsible for the way they turn out. These boys were raising their kids probably the same way they had been raised. So that, you know, there was not a whole lot of good going on here except for this one boy, Joseph. I don't know how he turned out so different, but he was different. So the boys are in jail for three days. Joseph comes to them and lets them out and says, I'm going to let nine of y'all go back, but I want to keep, keep one. So uh, the oldest, Reuben, he stands up and says, let me stay, let me stay. No. Jacob ends up keeping Simon. And which brother is he? What order is he? Reuben is first. Who's the second? Simon. Then Levi. And then Judah. So... He says, I'm going to let you go back. I'm going to let you take this grain back so that your families don't starve. 
and go back to your father. But, but you're going to have to bring Benjamin back or Simon, who you're living, leaving here, will end up dying and uh, he won't ever see his, his family and children again. So they get all their grain packed into their bags and they get everything loaded on the camels and donkeys and all the stuff they're hauling with and they start out and a day's journey out one of the brothers opens up his bag and what's in it? His money. His money, which was a lot of money. Uh, I read one of the commentaries and they, they said that typically a bag of corn would cost you a couple of silver coins. These guys brought bags of money to pay for this corn. So Joseph had taken their money and put it back in their bags. And not just one of them, he'd given it all back to them. You think the Egyptians would have been proud of that? These Egyptians that have been selling their stuff into slavery to get corn. You think that Joseph was earning brownie points with these guys? Oh no, they hated him. And we'll see that later on as time goes on in our story in Genesis. The Egyptians get even with Joseph and the Israelites who they feel right now are getting rich off of them. But was Joseph getting rich off of them? No, Pharaoh was. Just like always. It's the, the big guy up there, the, the emperor, whatever you want to call him. He was getting all the... Uh, what do you think would have happened if when these brothers the very thought came to their mind they didn't know that Jacob recognized them they didn't know that Jacob knew who he was what do you think would have happened if they would have shared with this strange governor what they thought in their minds what do you think would have happened if they had repented and asked for forgiveness with what they had done. He's, he would have probably told them he was Joseph. Their lives over the next months or years would have probably been different. I don't know if they would have even came to uh, Egypt to live. They came to Egypt because they had to have grain. They were, they were still seeking for what they could get out of life without having to to do. Did God tell him to leave Canaan? No, he never told him to leave. He never told Jacob, tell your boys, get up and go to Egypt and get corn. God didn't do that. Jacob did that. When they come back and they eat all that corn up, what does Jacob do? Go get some more corn and take Benjamin with you if that's what we have to do to get corn. When they got to Egypt and they recognized Benjamin, did they take Joseph and go back to Canaan? No. They went back and got the rest of their households. Why? It was easier. We can go to Joseph's house. He's got plenty of corn. 420 years later, <laughs> they get to go on. A lot of times, when, when stuff, stuff like this happens, and, and I'm not saying this wasn't wouldn't have happened anyway and it wasn't God's ultimate plan 
But I think God has contingencies in there if we repent. His whole goal is that we learn a lesson, we repent of the way we're living, change the way we're going, and turn around and walk a different direction than what we're going. We're not just studying these lessons just to have something to talk about on Saturday. You know, these are very interesting, and history is great. Anybody just like history by itself? No, plenty of people do. Gabe loves history. Gabe could study about history. He could study about the Civil War, the American, the Indian-American War, the French and Indian War, what are all them wars are. Lots of people not, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a real war person. But lots of people are interested in it. But God's driving force is not for us to learn about the, the history of these people. We discuss this history every week, these people's lives, because he wants to see a par us to see a parallel with their lives and what they're going through and what the things they're doing costs them so that we can change our lives. He's looking for change in us. Now, we can complain about the heat and about gas prices being high, and or we can praise God, right? Doesn't Philippians say that in everything we give him praise? So when we drive to the gas pumps and gases, and somebody was telling me it was $6 and a half in California recently. If you drove up to the gas pump and the gas was $6 and a half, what would you say? <laughs> you would say, thank you, Jesus that you give me the $6 and a half to buy this gallon of gas. We have to always be thankful for those situations. When it's 100 degrees outside, are we thankful for that? No. <laughs> How can we stand it another day? Believe me, it'll turn it'll turn cooler in a few days, <laughs> and then we'll be complaining about the cold weather, especially me and Brian because we don't like to wear shoes or pants. <laughs> short pants is uh, we are short pants, but God wants us to learn from these lives, from the lives of these men. These boys are no different than our boys and girls. These children of Joseph's or of Jacob's are no different than than our kids. We've got the opportunity, like praying for our kids. Every day, pray for our kids. Read the Bible with them. Share the Lord with them. Sit down. If you don't have any kids, sit down at the table and, and, and pray for my kids, okay? <laughs> my kids, my grandkids, and my great-grandkids. But he wants us to learn from those things. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm not a teacher. I'm not... The teacher that Patrick is. Patrick could have found a hundred different things that we would have, we would have grown tremendously out of this. But I like talking, and I like you talking with me. I like that Bob talks back and forth. I like Marvin talks. Back. Me and Marvin could talk all the time. Me and Marvin can sit on my front porch and talk for hours, can't we? <laughs> and have we really said anything when we get through? <laughs> but we love it. We love talking with each other. We love fellowshipping with each other. And that's, that's one of the primary reasons we're here. That's why our Heavenly Father created this holiday, this Sabbath, is for us, for us to fellowship with Him and to learn from Him.
but also to fellowship with each other, to get to know each other, and to learn from each other's mistakes, and also to learn from the things that you are doing, the good things you're doing, not just the bad things. My friends back here told me the other day about a barbecue place they found. It's got the best brisket in the world. That, that's sharing with each other. And you say, that's not spiritual. We don't always have to be spiritual. Most everything in our life has to do with humans and human beings. Very little of it is spirit. Very little time do we spend in spiritual uh, translating between here and God. And, and uh, if we was wanted to, to uh, sit down and figure out how much time do we as a, a group spend on our knees just praying to the Father or reading our Bible every week, we'd be really surprised at what a small portion of that was. In my case, if, if I was to sit down and, and look at my life, how much time I spend eating <laughs> would probably be a big chunk of my life. But God wants us to learn. He wants us to learn from Him. He wants us to learn from these lessons we're talking about, and that's why we're going through this verse by verse. That's why if you see something in there and it strikes you kind of strange, I, I noticed somebody asked uh, Bob last week, why don't we pray that our sons be like uh, yeah, Manasseh and Ephraim. Was there any good qualities in those boys that stood out that we know about? And I think in that same prayer, that same thing that Don and Chris shared with us a year ago, a couple of years ago, it says for our daughters to be like Rachel and Leah. That's kind of weird. <laughs> Wasn't Rachel and Leah kind of uh, strange girls? <laughs> so, Ariana, are you, are you, which are you praying that Annie's like? <laughs> so, but we are learning, and we're learning together, and we're learning as a group. I'm going to get the girls to come in and bring the... Uh, the bread and the wine, and we're gonna wind this up. If you got any questions, save them for next week. <laughs> Just one quick. You know, Mr. Bobby, um, really quick, I want to share one thing. Uh, last night when we were over at, um, we were eating together. He asked us uh, what he thought Joseph's best quality was, and um, I kind of, I instinctively said. Probably honesty, because if you think about it, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all recorded deceiving um, in some way or another, especially Jacob. And I, I mistakenly said um, that Joseph never was deceiving anybody, except in this chapter I realized he did deceive his brothers by concealing his identity. But if you think about it, that's kind of, um, it's kind of seen in a good light. And in a parallel, you can think of Yeshua, who the only time he deceived somebody was when he concealed his identity, like Joseph, after he resurrected, and he was speaking to his brothers. And so that's kind of another parallel from Joseph and Yeshua that I thought was really interesting. But yeah, just a, yeah. If you guys would like to gather with your friends and family, we'll go ahead and close with the Aaronic benediction.
shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shabbat shalom, everybody.